Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, well, I'm okay because we are in Berlin and safe. How are you? I second that. I second that. Yeah. These are difficult times. These are, well, they've been difficult times in lots of places for a while and they're particularly grim times. Yes. Yeah, we just wanted to say at the top, we hope anyone, if we have any listeners in Ukraine... We hope you're all safe. Yeah. And if we have any listeners in Russia who go, in Russia who are going, oh, what the hell? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah well, for yeah. you as well. Absolutely. Because a lot of you will have relatives over the border and vice versa and friends and just, you know, sympathies. So do you mind if I distract myself by just talking about some admin? Listen, let's go for it. Listen, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I was just like, it's your happy place. You know, in a world where people are questioning freedom and democratic norms are we are we truly even free in the west i felt do you know what the times when i feel most free and when i'm doing the admin exactly i don't feel free <laughs> i don't feel free. i feel constrained i want to break free but there's too much form <laughs> so let's do the admin yeah first of all we hope everyone is staying safe and well as we mentioned before also specifically in parts of the world that are really going through at the moment and we hope also that you're getting vaccinated if you can and getting that booster if you can absolutely uh, right his house went up on wednesday i stood in for Jeanette. last minute super sub well super questionable last minute sub let's <laughs> <I> say <laughs> <laughs> look at that that is one of those that like someone was injured in the warm-up and that they've actually brought Ryan in, everyone's just like groans in the crowd. Oh, I want the child that won uh, the child that won a competition to sit on the bench, and now <laughs> it's actually brought you know on. What, yeah, I would have been like, did you see the uh, in that scenario? Like, whenever I get called in to write his house last minute, I'm like, so you know the tiny car from the Euros that brought the ball yes. out. Have you seen what they've done in the Super League this year? No, no. The Super League, by the way, for people who aren't aware, is the rugby league league, basically mm. in the UK, in England. So it's a different kind of rugby. 
now they have a little kid driving out in a tiny car with the ball. That's- and he basically wouldn't give it to them the other day. So the kickoff got delayed. He took back control. He was just like, <laughs> my time, my time. And that is, that is very much the energy I come with on Wrighty's House when I get drafted in the last minute. I've got to say, that's extremely relatable content. That's extremely relatable. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> um, got distracted. See, that's how free the admin makes me feel. There we go. TheRinger.com forward slash soccer and TheRinger.com in general, you and I, Musa are going to be on The Answer. We are indeed. With Chris Ryan on Friday. So if you like your basketball and you like the NBA and you don't subscribe to the Ringer NBA show, go and subscribe to it. We're going to be talking a little bit of football and NBA potential crossover. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. I mean, it's an excuse to talk NBA, especially now. It's fascinating. Uh, and also, I'll be, I'm going to be on um, The Askcast this week with Andrew. Oh, fantastic. So that will either be really, really fun or really, really grim, depending on the Arsenal Wolves result, which is happening this evening. Stanley Archer's playlist on Spotify if you want to listen to all the music we play on. Oh, actually, we haven't said it for a while, but if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. We're going to talk about the Champions League. We're going to talk the few Premier League games that happened on Wednesday, which I have to confess, I had no idea what happening until about 4 p.m. (laughs) <laughs> and we're also going to talk about the Arnold Clark Cup which is as I said to Flo in the Righty's House group hashtag forever in our hearts <laughs> <laughs> the memes that were flying around incredible England beating Germany to win the Arnold Clark Cup wild and we're going to mention that a little bit later um we also talked some Arnold Clark Cup on Wrighty's House as well and gave flowers to Hannah Hampton. We also gave some flowers to Harry Kane for his great performance against Man City. All right, so should we get into it after this? Let's do it. All right, man, where would you like to begin? The most important fixture of the evening, the one that's just seismic in its impact. Burnley won. What are you there. doing? Ha, 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 ha. I'm... Shocked and appalled. I think we should start with Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, or Atletico Madrid, Manchester United. Have to. But I think the, the reason we start with it is because it was the Atleti we had been, in many respects, waiting for, I think. Or the, a, a, a version of Atleti performance that I had been waiting to see. And I think it caught Manchester United by real surprise, actually. Yeah, caught me by surprise, to be honest. I tweeted at half time that it, I think this is the most intense and assured I've seen Atleti in a big game, to be honest, in any game. In a while. Since they beat Betis 3 0 at the Wonder in October. Right. I think that was the last time, because that came a couple of weeks after they beat Barca. Right. But even that result and- felt like. The, the short fallings of Barca more than Atleti's dominance. So the Betis, I think, is the one, I think. True, yeah. And, and they kind of blew Betis away a little bit. And that was uh, that was the last time I can remember them being like that. Even the come from behind win against Valencia, the, the Getafe game, all of these results that they've had that they've got through, even the Porto game away in the Champions League, mm. it really felt like a, a get-out-of-jail one. Yes, very much Porto, very much a trip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whereas this... Desperation. Whereas this really felt like... Uh, to be honest, it really felt like Manchester United were going to 
be swallowed up by that hole. They should, they should have and been, they should, absolutely, have been. They should have been absolutely engulfed. They should have been. And they've got away with a one-all draw, which in my opinion, is extremely, extremely fortunate. It's a great result for Manchester United. It's a know? great result. Should have been 2-0 at the half, at the very least. Yeah, it really should have. Who hit the bar? Was it Lorente? It was a def- I think it was, it was a deflect. Lorente headed it onto someone. I think and it was then onto then McGuire. Hit the bar. Mm. And then hit the bar. Yes, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad a miss as it initially looked because what happens is the ball comes through traffic and it changes direction at the last minute. So Lorente has to adjust, doesn't get everything on it. A great contact. Then I think, I think it comes off McGuire and goes onto the mm. bar. I'm not sure exactly who it comes off in the mix. But yeah, so, United definitely should have been 2-0 down at half time. And I think that would have been no more than what Atleti deserved for that first half performance because they were super good. Yeah. Most of their traffic came down the left-hand side. Which is, yeah, Lodi was outstanding. Oh, Lodi was so good. I haven't seen Lodi so that good. good. I haven't seen him that. He's, I've seen him good, but I haven't seen him at that level, like meeting the ball, like, punching it forward, mm. um, surging into space. Obviously, Joao Felix was superb. We'll come to that in a moment. But obviously, the standout for me, I would say, was Condogbia. He was great, man. Condogbia quite literally played Paul Pogba off the park. And it is not often. It was so strange. I was watching it thinking, ah, now, Paul Pogba knows what it was like to play against the 2018 World Cup version of himself. <laughs> now he sees it. It looked like, he looked like actually a sort of peak Luka Modric in a way as well. Like it was unbelievable what he was doing. Just, it wasn't, it wasn't just a quick feat from Kondogbia, right? Because often he, we've seen him and he's been more, we, this, this is a player I've looked at for years and been like, when is he going to fully like use all the weapons that he has, all the tools? Because I've watched him a lot of the times and it's felt like we've had him in third gear. Mm. Like he's never fully unleashed it. And this time it was just like, it wasn't even just like the quick feet. It was the sharpness, the ball, the pressing, the promptness, the amount of times that he just caught Pogba when Pogba had like half a step less. Like this is one, one, one criticism of Pogba I think we've seen um, is that he can get caught in possession in deep lying areas, right? If he doesn't get the ball out of his feet fast enough because he's just not expecting the press to be that ferocious. And Condogvia was just on him the entire game and you saw Pogba on the bench and it was interesting because he looked absolutely like bewildered. He'd been in the game. Like, he like, like he, he'd been he, in the game. He looked, he looked like he was like, he looked as disrespected as Kevin De Bruyne. Like, you know, it's like, what? I thought the ball was going to be there. You know, you know it's what, as in, I thought when Rangnick was doing the setup, he envisioned Pogba having more of the ball and so did Pogba, I think. I think, I think Simeone was quite smart with his selection here though because- Extremely smart. I think it's pretty rare that we've seen the midfield three of Herrera, Kondogbia and Lorente this season. I can't actually remember ever seeing it. I love it. Look, I, I, I've, can I be honest? I've said this about Hector Herrera to Manchester United. I said this, he should have gone there before he went to Atleti and I couldn't believe they didn't go for a player like that. I thought he was absolutely superb. He even got his obligatory first half yellow card because Atleti bingo, we had to get that yellow before the half. I think L- Lorente is a victim of his versatility. I've said this many times, like, He's been used in right back positions, high up. I think you lose something when you don't have him centrally. I think you lose a hell of a lot. Um, I, I think it depends who you're playing and who, and, uh, and also I, who else you have in that configuration because there have been times where he's been unbelievable. I just prefer him inside though because he gives you that control. He gives and you he's match a big control. guy. He's a big that's, guy. And actually thing. on that tip, I mean, I know a lot of this might have been, uh, I know it's, Simeone's it's, it's, hand it's, might have been forced a little bit because of the injury to yeah. Koke, but... Yeah. And also the fact that they had Carrasco out suspended. Yeah. So I think shifting it a little bit may have been forced, but I think the, 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 the formation that he settled on was Lovely. so good, actually. Yeah. And, I, and I was genuinely surprised by how intense that letter came out. Marcus Lorente, actually, <laughs> on that, he, um, 
in the first half specifically, he was so disrespectful <laughs> of so many Manchester United players that they just genuinely couldn't believe it, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Bruno yeah. Fernandes, he, he left one on him. He gave Ronaldo a little bit of a bullying and Ronaldo was very unhappy. I think Ronaldo tried to get him booked. Um, and also Rashford, he had a little bit of a tangle with Rashford at one point. And I just thought, you know, the blonde hair, the blue eyes, the kind of like, the, the clean shaven, let the low socks be a warning. That's everything. Yeah. It's like Marcus Lorenzo's rattle. Yeah. Like if you walk past a rattlesnake and it's all coiled up and it's rattling, it's probably not going to bite you, but it's there to be like, be warned. And there that's should what be a low socks 11. That's, there should that's be, what he, there. Yeah, yeah, there should be. That's what his low socks are. He's, what, he's like, I won't go for you, but let it be warned that I could go for you. Yeah, there's not a single player with low socks who doesn't want the smoke. There's not a single one. They all want it. A couple of them decided to go and poke him with a stick. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly right. And I think looking at the Atleti um, formation, the best description I can give of it was, it was like watching Manchester United running in quicksand. And the thing about quicksand is quicksand will be like, look, you can run all over me, but I'm still the territory. This is my territory. And I think this is the thing, like, Atleti gave Manchester United exactly as much of the ball. Well, no, so put it this way. Atleti took exactly as much of the ball as they wanted. Yeah. And it was a very, very, very bad day for Manchester United, who for most of the game, unfortunately, were equivalent of throwing water balloons at a brick wall. Um, and the problem is against a team like Atleti, right? The worst, the worst parts of Manchester United's, you know, game were exposed. The desire to play the first available pass or play the pass at the first opportunity instead of breaking down a team, right? Atleti, in, a, in the mood like this, they're like cement, which is set, mm. right? And you have to find different ways to prize that open. And too often United were, and I have to say like Bruno Fernandes was a chief culprit in this. You're hammering the ball towards gaps that don't exist. Mm. You know, the gap is, if the gap is six inches wide, you got to stretch the play. You got to do switches. You got to build it. And Bruno Fernandes works best in transition. It's no coincidence that United's goal arrives in that con in that context, right? And United's problem is always going to be breaking down teams that sit off you. Um, and we saw it. And I just think the thing with Atleti is they didn't quite their challenge. And, and Kevin Williams said this on Twitter. I think to you is they don't follow through. Like one goal isn't enough. Um, yeah, I said this. I said this yeah. in that tweet that I wrote at halftime. One 0 to Atleti means nothing nowadays. Right, exactly. It just doesn't. It used to mean three 0 Yeah, and when Kevin said you need more than one, I said to be honest, they don't even look safe when they've got three or four in the bank. That's absolutely right. Yeah, but um, do you want do you want to read the that tweet that you sent me last night about Bruno Fernandes? Or... <laughs> Someone, do you want to go there? I cannot, I cannot. I, I cannot. mean, it's third party, so it's not something that you- No, you've... because it will come, no, I'm not going to read it because it will come from my mouth. So if I read it, people can be like, oh, oh, look, look, okay. All I will say is I saw a, I saw a hot take about Bruno Fernandes' tendency to hit the pass before the gap even appears. That was, I thought it was very accurate. Basically, someone was saying, if I paraphrase it, he it was, was saying- quite, It was quite mean, but it was- Kind of accurate. He said he's a player who I know is one of those select few players who I know is outstanding, but each time I see him, like just doesn't really, doesn't really deliver. And I think the thing about that is 
is because whenever he sees him, it's a big game. And because everyone knows that Bruno Fernandes is brilliant at hitting gaps, they close all the gaps and they make him play. They make him try and break you down and he doesn't do that so well. And this is why as well, there is a few teams in the Premier League where, and this is, I have to say, Pogba has to be accountable for this as well. Bruno Fernandes has too much urgency. Sometimes Pogba doesn't have enough. And there's a happy medium. There's a happy medium. You could argue Bruno Fernandes generally, his flaw is that he gets rid of the ball too early and Pogba sometimes gets rid of it too late. And they have to meet each other in the middle for Manchester United to progress. Mm-hmm. Because on his day, it's funny because Bruno Fernandes got so many of the headlines for his performance against Leeds. And rightly so because of his contribution, no question. At the same time, a significant actor in that Leeds game was Paul Pogba, who absolutely pulled them apart. They both got stung by Atleti in this game. They got very lucky with that late uh, equaliser by Alanga. Lovely finish. I think perhaps slightly too central, but still a very nice finish. And his first touch props to him because he's been superb this year when he's come on and intervened. Shout out to Alanga. Very humble post-match interview as well. But humble but confident, which I loved. But Pogba and Fernandes have to find the happy medium if they're going to go any further. I agree. I was going to say something here. Um, the statistical breakdown of this is super interesting, I think, because, you know, we've become accustomed to seeing Atleti have a third or so of possession and mm. not really create a huge amount, but make them count. But they had like, they had, they had, chances, they had man. chances, man. Two they big did. chances, 13 shots. You know, again, this wasn't really like a smash and grab. No. The only shot they had on target was Jao Felix's header, which we should talk about. And United did have a couple more, but I think I saw a stat saying that I don't think United had a touch in the Atleti box until Manja Matic came on. That figures. I don't remember one either. I don't remember one. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about the goals? Let's talk about Joao Felix in specifics. Because Joao right. Felix. We had Wow Felix and Woe Alanga. Do you know you, what I mean? And, oh my goodness. Yes, yes. I mean, wow. Wow, 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 wow. wow. These two young men really, really did it. Joao Felix's tragedy is that he could well be on his way to Arsenal. That is the Robin his tragedy. Van Persie. <laughs> well, well, not the bad comparison. This is your punishment. Joao Felix is the modern Robin Van Persie. But this, the tragedy will be that he will not be given sufficient position to fulfil his potential. And I say the Robin Van personality not just because the header he put in was astonishing, but Joao Felix, there's a thing that he did that I saw Van Persie, I think it was Birmingham or something. I think he beat Birmingham 3-1 at the Emirates. I think I was there for that. And Robin Van Persie has the incredible, had the incredible ability to be simultaneously 45 yards from goal and five yards out. Mm-hmm. Like he would do tap-ins. He would build the play. Actually what Phil Foden does to some extent he will build the play from like the halfway line and will also, will also crash the box. And Joao Felix has that ability. The header that he scored, I know I keep pulling out this reference, it's the Marco Van Basten header in the first leg of the 89 European Cup semi-final against Real Madrid. It's so good. It is know. unbelievable. <laughs> it is it so is, good. I, it defies. <laughs> I, genuinely, I genuinely couldn't figure out what had happened at first because it was, I was just like, you don't really see goals like this. Do <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You don't. You, really you don't. don't. You don't. Like the thing it's is, it's astonishing. Like, Lodi's yeah. goal, uh, Lodi's cross is absolutely unbelievable. Right, right. Like genuinely unbelievable. It's incredible. But it is going at pace. Like Jao Felix doesn't have a huge amount of time to get his eyes on it or set, right? And if you, and, and then it, it, it absolutely hammers in. Like it's a bullet header from the top of the box. Then it hits the post and, and goes across goal and De Gea is just looking around. Perfection. And it wasn't until the replay where I was just like, he takes off. Yeah. Fully meets it. Like he leaps for it. But 
at a you know almost like a forty five degree angle. Do you have the it Henrik Larsson one in the Euros? Was it the qualif- one of the qualifiers that Henrik Larsson does a similar yeah. one where he actually flies? Yeah, and this is the thing. This Joao Felix is a player who does not get enough of the ball. This this and man. He's also, he's also not super good in the air. I don't think. <laughs> but we don't, this is the point we don't know because he doesn't get it in the air. This is the problem <laughs> Too with small sample size. This is the, exactly. This is this. <laughs> everyone said, "Oh, Ronaldo can't head the ball." I'm like, "Have you seen Ronaldo actually head the ball? It's ridiculous when he actually gets the phenomenon. The phenomenon. Yeah. Oh, his weaknesses. He doesn't head the. No one puts no one puts crosses up there because everyone knows if Ronaldo can beat four men on the dribble, the phenomenon this is. What's the point crossing it to him? But he could head the ball. It's like the only person in world football who has never said anything about Messi not being able to head the ball is Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, because Cause, cause he, he saw was, it. He, he was, was right there. He was right there. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't, like you mention it to him and he just gets this thousand yard stare. Just, yes, I was I'm there. I'm not going back there. That night in Rome. No. <laughs> but Joao Felix, just, he was the entire game. He was spectacular. I think he rivaled Condogbia as the man of the match. He went off early as well because his work seemed to have been done. You know what let him down though? That silly overhead kick from about 16 yards out. And I checked the XG on it and it was 0.04. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Jow, what are you doing? (laughs) I still can't get over that first goal. So good. It's so superhuman in terms of this, like, I felt myself. The power surge. Gave me all of my vitamins. I love that you mentioned that, 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 that surge, because I saw it and thought to myself, like the, the crowd was already, I mean, subject to a section of the crowd booing the knee prior to the game, which was... Yeah, we've mentioned this before, but there's yeah. a large portion of that Atleti fan base that are extremely yeah. right-wing. That's re- regrettable, yeah. Um, what I will say about but, you know, this, we also, we come from a country where fans were booing our own team, taking the knee. Yeah, I so, mean, look, you know. look, I mean, yeah, that, that's a, on a positive note. That goal felt like, it instantly felt like 2-0. Mm. Like, it felt like you see that and you're like, it felt, it felt like it went from nil to 2 nil, nil to 2 nil, And I felt like when that goal went in, after what, seven minutes, I was like, it's going to be a long night for Manchester United. It felt like one of those long European nights. And frankly, it should have been. And to be honest, and I love so much what Diego Simeone has done. At the same time, this is on him. This team has the resources. It's had the money spent and it's got such a deep squad. Here's the thing, like even with all the injuries, right? Even with all the injuries, they put out an extremely strong team. So the Atleti squad is deep. It is not a lack of resources. Somewhere, Best squad in Spain. Somewhere in that squad, he should have carved out one more regular goal scorer by now. I know they've got Correa there, there's Felix, yes, I know they're players who've scored goals and been reliable, Correa in particular, but this is on Simeone and he's a player, he's a, you know, he's a coach I've got huge respect for, as, as you know, we both do, but he should have put this to bed. Look, this is the thing about Atleti this year, right? Hurricane to Atleti. Hurricane to Atleti. Ha, 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 ha. Another hurricane hot take. Do you know what it is? Be great that would be, it would be great there. Would they give enough of the ball? I'm not sure. Um, would he be happy with the possession? I'm not sure he'd be happy with the possession. But look, there's never been a better time for Atleti to go under the radar because people aren't expecting them to. Mm. Um, we anyway. need to talk about the equaliser. Let's do it. Anthony Alanga saves the day again. Has he, it felt, it, is that true? Has he saved the day many times already? It's felt like he's saved the day he quite a lot. He clinched it against United. Leeds. He yes. clinched against Leeds. Didn't he get one against when? Brentford as well? He got the clincher against Brentford. Uh, yeah, he, was it the final one? I think so, I think so. All three of his goals have been important, I think. Yeah, he's only scored away from home, by the way. He's got a taste for it. Maybe it's just more fun. <laughs> I, think it, I think there are some players that have a sense of timing. The thing that's fascinating about his goal, I love about it, is Nathuba comes through 
I think it was Lottie that slashes at it. I think, I'm mm. not sure it was Lottie, but it was the first mistake that Lottie had made all night. Should have basically made better contact and cleared it into the stands, but he mistimes his uh, tackle. Now what happens is the ball is rushing across and Ilanga is really smart because he lets the ball run. It comes through the challenge, doesn't touch it. Let's it run no. wide of him. Yep. Let's the ball run alongside him. That's supreme confidence to do that. So there's tiny touches that make all those tiny elements of play that you see real confidence. Mm. Let's run across him then angles the ball across our black. Now, some might say that the ball should have been further in the corner, but then again, he knows what weight our black is on. He sees our black coming off his line. So he knows he hasn't got to go right in the corner. He can just put it across him because yeah, he's already a, seeing. Yeah. There's a moment, because I thought our black's position was a little bit. It was the weight though. I th- at first I thought it was a little bit weird, but then I clocked it on the replay. And the, the thing that happens is he basically gets his feet just a little bit wrong, and just, as about out. To hit, just as the lang is about to hit it. And that basically makes, I think, makes Oblak committed and he's done. And Alanga sells it a little bit. Alanga mm. sells it a bit because what he does is by letting the ball run across him, by not touching the ball. So what he could have done is if you, if you watch the goal again, he gets the ball, it comes across him and he could have touched it into his path and made the ankle narrower. Mm. At which point Oblak can like stand up straight and narrow the ankle. But what he does is he lets it run across him with his head down and then puts it back across almost where it came from. And that almost draws, this is a bit of an old school reference, but there's a bit where Don Goodman is playing against, I think in an FA Cup game and he knocks the ball out and the keeper comes off his line because Don Goodman hits it wide. And that extra angle allows him the angle to chip the keeper. And that's kind of what Alanga does here. So yeah, one all draw. Really nice goal, really nice finish. Um, They'll be so happy with that Manchester United as well, taking that back to Old Trafford. They will be. I can't really call it, to be honest, because, for example, I didn't really expect Atleti to go to Porto and do what they did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And to be honest, they were outplayed for a lot of that game. Yeah. We know Manchester United's issues. We also know that on their day, they can be quite good. This is a real fencing take, but yeah, I I can't really call that second leg. Mm. Me neither. And also, I think it's advantage Manchester United, though, obviously. The absence of away goals. I'm kind of feeling it in a way. Like I love the way goals, don't get me wrong, I love them for so many reasons, but I know it's just it's early days, but I like the fact that you can go to like back to the other stadium and it's just, it's all reset. I do quite like that. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to some of the games. Oh, Benfica Ajax. Yes. What a lovely, beautiful fixture. And Ajax put out a great video before the game about the game itself. It was so good. If you've not seen it, go and check it out. Sebastian Aller, his 11th goal in this season's Champions League. Which is just unbelievable. <laughs> uh, that's not counting the own goal that he had a few minutes earlier as well. I thought the German commentator was being naughty because they said 12th. So on the German commentary, someone said 12th. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like, are they? they hey, is that naughty? Not is that nice. not? <laughs> Do you know what I love about, so Haller, like he was very unlucky with the own goal um, because it came to a crowd of players. Mm. Well, it came to the, it, basically like. Um, Vertonga just drove it across the box. Vertonga, by the way. Went left wing and that, that was amazing. I love it. I love when centre-backs do that, when they so get I mean, out of pocket. I just really love it when people go to Portugal at a certain point of their career and just have a fucking great time. That team is full of them as well. Yeah, it's good, man. Um, Adult Rapt as well in the midfield, who's like, he's become the elder statesman. He's like 32 now, I think, 32, 33, and doing his thing really well. So, you know, just really impressive from Benfica and just a great result, a great game. And... The one thing I want to mention about Haller's goal, first of all, it came in the same half that he scored his own goal. So he basically kind of like, not in quotes, redeemed himself, but it was clearly important to get back on the score sheet. What I love about this finish, is an old school thing that he does is he goes for the first with his right foot, 
Mm. He gets parried back to him and finishes this left foot. And I thought, he's such an old school finisher. And I think, about, great, him, I think about him at West Ham and just feel so sorry for him in terms of how bad that fit was. Mm. Because there's several other clubs in the Premier League where he would have been an excellent fit. Yeah, man. And he would have scored a lot of goals. And it just gets us to show like bad luck sometimes, bad fit. Great shout out for Tadic's goal, which was absolutely lovely. It was so calm. Gans Locker, as they said on uh, Design. It's just vintage finish. It was just like watching a video from training. But you can imagine Club Social was posting it just with the arrow in the target. Yeah. Didn't, didn't I love about Tadic? Tadic is like, he's ace. He's like, you know, I love about him because he obviously went to Southampton and he's, mm. he's now Ajax and he's had his place. He's found his fit. And I think what I love about him is he's almost like one of those lower seeded tennis players in a grand slam that goes all the way to the quarters. And everyone's like, oh my God, look at his ground strokes. He's ridiculous. And everyone who's been watching Tadic for a while was like, that's who he always was. He just never really got the kind of the boost that he deserved. And like just an elite European playmaker quietly putting together a really satisfying career. Mm. You know, I, I thought I looked I looked at Tadic at school and thought to myself, this man lives in Amsterdam. He work he lives and works in Amsterdam. Big, 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 big win. He wears the number 10 shirt. That's a big win. Captain. And he does it, he does it for Ajax. He catches up. This is my guy. <laughs> Captain in Ajax, man. That's, that's uh that is the life. Like if you look at like if you look at an eleven of players who are like living the life. Just living, just balling out in so many contexts on and off the field. The living good 11. Listen, that, that has to be. <laughs> living, we're living good out here. Living good 11. <laughs> um, interesting stat. He's. Because you know Hector's in that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Hector's definitely not coming back. back. <laughs> he's played 18 more games for Ajax now than he did for Southampton. And he's, uh, he's been at Ajax longer than any other club. Check this out though as well. 86 goals, 87 assists in his Ajax career. God, everything perfectly balanced. As Thanos would say, I love that. I got such a massive wave of nostalgia about this fixture. And when I was watching it, there was part of me that just thought, yeah, this should be a semi-final. I, I agree. I also want to say this. This should be like, you know, like you have like listed buildings yeah. you can't touch in the UK. Yeah. There should be a listed fixture where like every 10 years, if Benfica have not played Ajax within 10 years, they should be obliged they to just take fix each other. the draw. Yeah, 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 they have to. It was like, you know, like, remember, you remember like Roma played Porto and I remember just thinking, oh, the food, the football. It's like, Benfica Ajax. I said to you, actually, I said, I said, football I said heritage. This, this is quite literally football heritage and two incredible cities. I, if, if the champ, well, the Champions League have got these horrible, horrible reforms coming in and legacy positions and stuff like that, much like the Super League was going to have, Benfica and Ajax should always be in it. Should always be in it. Yes, yes. You know, I'm just going to say one thing. I'm not, I'm not someone often given to jealousy, but I'm extremely jealous of the journalists who are going to cover Benfica Ajax because somewhere out there in the world, there are journalists who are being sent to Lisbon to cover this and to Asdam to cover this. And that makes me extremely jealous. And all expenses all paid expenses for. Paid for. God. <laughs> okay. uh, let's quickly do the other two games. Chelsea against Lille, 2-0. Kai Harberts early on and then Christian Pulisic later on. Lille did very, very well for much of the game. Renato Sanchez, shout out to him. He was superb. He does for Lille what Kovacic does for Chelsea. He was spectacular. He was spectacular against um, Chelsea and they had to work very, very hard for that. Uh, Angolo Kante came through the goods again. Big shout for Kai Havertz as well, who mm. I just, I've mentioned this before, but there's, there's one point where, you know, he crashes the box for the opening goal for the header but also is back in the right back position, just filling in. And I just, I think when I, when I think um, 
because it's weird because like I've looked at the uh, the Chelsea team and it's like the revolving sort of drill bit of the front three. But Harvard's, I think, is probably the biggest constant in terms of that. I, I, re- I reckon Tuchel looks at him and just absolutely like loves him. If you look at the responsibility that Tuchel gives him, right, in certain games where he plays him high up in certain games, like I think he's the key to that entire Chelsea front line because he just has a unique range of gifts. And someone said to me, what's his best position? I think actually his best position for argument's sake is when he can play a lot of places, but I think either side of a sole striker or in a front two as a slightly withdrawn striker, I think, because with Harvard, you just have to give him the ball. Like when you look at the stats of all the strikers, he should have the most touches of all strikers, in my opinion, because he just, he's the glue. He's unbelievable. Uh, he's amazing. Yeah, I like, love it. He's, we've he's, we've he, always been... He's not unreal. Like, fans on this he's podcast. had COVID. He had a slow start, and he's still ahead of his development. But that's unbelievable. He's this, fine. He, he's he's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good win for Chelsea. Though, tell you what, he's in the living. He's in the living. Good eleven. Yeah, maybe he's got. He, he loves his animals, doesn't he? He's got his adopted donkeys and stuff like that. So does Alex Pop. What yeah, is man. it with that ge- eminent German footballers? And she's got like she wants to like run a zoo or something when she retires. Know, there's not much going on at Wolfsburg. So. <laughs> Ryan, there's, there's not. There's an international. There's, there's an international renowned art museum, and there's extremely good shopping and the best hotel you've ever stayed at. Come on, yeah. Come on, I don't like on. to mention that. I don't like to mention that. Fucking well, you mention it a hell of a lot for someone who doesn't like to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to talk about that. Uh, just to clarify, shout out to the Altstadt. Great town. It's a nice chilled city. Chelsea will be fine, right? Do you think? Yes. I, yes. Yeah. I they, yeah. They will at this point. The second goal is what really does it. The second yeah. goal does it. Great finish by Pulisic. Yeah. Uh, quickly, Villarreal won. Juve won. Oh, can I say, I loved what Villarreal did because Juve took that early lead. 33 seconds. Dusan Vlajevic's Champions League debut. That man and is... Do you know what? He's living good. I was a little bit angry at this goal. How so? Because... Who shoots from there? You shoot from there when you're feeling That's a heat check. Do you know what the XG was? What's that? 0.05. Oh, that's no, that, that's wrong. Those are the most likely goals to go in because the angle that he's chosen, he's already sold the keeper. He knows the speed he's moving at away from goal. I don't know, man. I think that's an extremely difficult finish. It is. Well, for a player of his quality, that's like, he's going to look at that and be like, these are easy pickings for me because... He knows what the angles are. He knows the keeper's not expecting the early strike. It's like the George Ware thing, right? Is it for, yeah, for I any just, other str- uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I just, I just think it was an amazing finish. I just couldn't believe it went in that early to me. This is the thing. This XG is not 0.05, but the XV, the expected Vlajevic. Oh my God. It's 0.5. Expected oh Vlajevic. this fucking, this guy out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, I'm quitting. I'm done. I can't do this <laughs> anymore. Throws his, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Literally <laughs> throws shit. Fuck this shit. Like that, old guy, like that old guy with the computer just being like, fuck. <laughs> Set yourself off mid podcast. No, no, you're, you're, you're quite. You're quite. You're I've, signaled, quite. To, I've signaled to the ringer for a substitution. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> In fairness, it was an outstanding finish. It was an outstanding finish. Uh, you're completely right. It was an outstanding finish. And the thing about this was, it was, it was an outstanding finish, and it was so out of step with what Juventus produced next that it almost didn't belong in the same game because Villarreal then applied a clamp. This was pure peak Emery. Emery ball. Oh my goodness! It's a lot of you have not watched. Star Trek, so I shouldn't use this analogy. Wow. There goes all our cool points. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. But it was like watch, watching Juventus trying to no, go on. break free from no, the route. If you're going to go there, yeah. just finish it. 
it's like watching a spaceship trying to break free of a black hole and putting on all the thrusters, but just couldn't and just keeps getting dragged back into it. And Juve kept trying to punch through and press and Villarreal just kept pulling them back into it. I had, and I had such a weird, sorry to cut you, but I had such a weird image in my head then of you sat in the chair on the bridge, <laughs> Captain Okwonga, as <laughs> the Starship Enterprise was full thrust trying to get out of a black hole and you just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> just with the, with the whole thing on the screen in front, you know, and just everyone's panicking and Moose is just like, arms down on the chair. <laughs> Not so funny. That is so... <laughs> That's, that's, so literally, that's literally the first thing that popped into my head, that image. <laughs> because, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so transparent. I can't be yeah, trusted. Before we move on to whatever you were going to say, you blatantly lied on Twitter last night and I'm very angry at you about it. What did I do? I didn't, I don't, this is, this is not true. Hang on. I'm going to get the actual tweet up because Listen, I, I was compelled to reply because I was... <laughs> Horrified. I, was, I wasn't even angry. I was just disappointed that you could be so brazen in public. <laughs> Musa Gwanga. Another night where I haven't liked or retweeted the best football tweets I've seen across my timeline because the takes are just too hot and I just want a quiet evening with the Marge Simpson kind of like hiding gif. <laughs> to which I responded, lol, yeah, okay. <laughs> well- you know why he wasn't retweeting or liking them everyone because he was sending them to me directly on whatsapp (laughs) and he was trying to protect his brand (laughs) he would have been cancelled quicker than the fucking super league if you could have seen the shit he was sending me last night good grief the amount of tweets I received, like no one retweeted I just had a load of people replying going are you okay mate sir are you okay That's what, that's why I didn't ask. I went, lol, yeah, okay, because I knew you were lying. I love Musa dearly. You are a hugely talented, gifted writer. You've given people so many opportunities. I wouldn't be doing football if it wasn't for you. But sometimes, Musa, you're bad. You're a bad knob. And this was one of those. I love you dearly, but I will pull you up on your bullshit. And this was some pure bullshit. This was pure 11 out of 10 Musa Wonga bullshit mode. I was like... This is, I went full LeBron to J.R. Smith. He's right there. He's right there. Like, anyway, let's get back on track. Real, they got back into it. Danny Parejo with a lovely, uh, I loved his little, oh, I'm going to go now because Rabio switched off. For some reason, uh, Bonucci and Danilo are just so close to each other. They're having a chat. Yeah, Even yeah. There's wild. only one guy there and Matthias De Ligt has moved over because he's trying to track a guy and just as he's about to pass him on, R- Rabio at that point was just like, I should have been set off by now anyway, so everything that, every minute I'm playing now is a bonus. <laughs> to be honest. I fear for him when Zachary is up to full fitness. I fear for him, I've got to say. But um, yeah, Danny Pereo just with a quick like, I'm gone. I feel like Danny Pereo is a player who hasn't had his full appreciation. He's a cult hero. He hasn't had his full appreciation. Not, he's not the same player as Cazorla, of course, or same magnitude. But you know, in terms of like players who are brilliant, who should be in the conversation much more than they are. I think a lot of that is down to the way that Valencia just unceremoniously shipped him and Francis Coughlin out for absolute peanuts because they yeah. were broke. Yeah. And that maybe gave like casual observers a bit of a bad idea of what Danny Parejo was like. Yeah. He was yeah. amazing at Valencia, man. He was he's brilliant. Been, he's been great at Villarreal as well. Like I think, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I really like him. I think he's wonderful. Yeah. 
this, this now suits Juventus. Juventus have had a bit of a shock. They'll go back to Turin now and they should get it done. All right, we need to be very quick on this because we're running long. We are indeed. But let's talk about the Premier League. Should we quickly big up Liverpool? Oh my goodness. 6-0 over Leeds, a couple of goals in the last few minutes. Yeah. And Liverpool also now, ominously, their goal difference is ahead of Manchester City's. Liverpool are having a remarkable season. It's gone a little bit under the radar because City have been so good. It is absolutely incredible. If you see the football that City have been playing, if someone said to you, oh, we're 12 games to go, Liverpool have a bigger goal difference than Man City, you'd have been like, no way. No, no, it's not possible. Liverpool's goal difference is plus 50. That's incredible. Incredible. They lost fewer games in the league than Man City. Liverpool, and you know, some will be like, ah, why are you doing that? Liverpool are not getting the credit they deserve for the season they put together. It is unbelievable. And what a bounce back. What a bounce back it is for them. I mean, yes. When everyone was losing their shit about Liverpool last season, I think we were quite calm about it. Yes, I, I remember thinking, I did say this, I, I was talking to my other, you know, my friends, my sort of, um, you know, United fans, and I was just like, Leeds should, I'm looking at the league table now, Leeds should still be okay, but it's not looking good for them because Burnley are on a good run. Burnley got a very good win over Spurs, which we'll come to in a second, but Leeds, Leeds are primed to drop into that bottom three. Yeah, Leeds, um, Leeds are They're in, in a bit of trouble. Man. They're in a bit of trouble. And Everton and Newcastle are, the teams, look, if you look at the teams that are likely to blast their way out of that, Ever- Newcastle are on an upward trend, I would say. Everton, even their challenges are an upward trend with games in hand and more firepower than Leeds. Leeds could end up being that third in the Watford-Norwich configuration. Shout out to Joel Matip, who scored an absolutely unbelievable goal, who just thought, do you know what? I can keep going here. Big PK energy. I can keep going. Like, so I'm going to keep going. And Don't stop believing. Virgil van Dijk did the most amazing thing where he held the back of his shirt up. You know, like people hold the name up when they yeah. score. And usually they do it themselves. Virgil van Dijk did it for him. And I thought that was a really, really wholesome celebration. We'll love it because just saying like, this is a player who's maybe underappreciated. Well, not, not by Liverpool fans, but just generally like as a wonderful footballer. Hey, he's, he's not underappreciated over here. No, absolutely not. Not in this parish, not in the Stadio Parish. Absolute Schalke hero. <laughs> Two for Mane, two penalties for Salah. And two for the centre-backs. Two for the centre-backs. That's uh, lovely. Mane, Mane is starting at centre-forward, which I thought was really interesting. And yes. L- and Luis yeah. Diaz was very good. He is settling into life at Liverpool. Extremely well. Extremely well. Just a great win for Liverpool. What a lovely evening. Mm, very much so. Uh, good win for Palace as well. 4-1 over Watford. Uh, a couple of lovely Wolf Zaha goals. Yes, they found the goals they should have had at the weekend against Chelsea. Mm. Should be slightly higher up the table as a result of that, Palace. Um, Vieira's doing a good job, though. Really good. Really, mm. They're playing some lovely football there. Like, Palace, you, you know, I've watched them on the occasions I've, like, you know, had the time to sort of sit down and just watch Palace games start to finish. I've really enjoyed them. I really like what he's doing there, how they're progressing the ball. So much elegance in that front six. Big, big fan. But yeah, the, the big, the, I suppose the most significant result, in a sense, is... Burnley won Spurs nil. Mm. And not so much the result, but the the context. The Conte context. Well, um, Conte was the interview. not happy. Because you shared this and I was like, you shared the interview and I read it, I, I, I watched it and I was like, this is... There's a lot of assessments. You know, we need to assess. The club needs to assess. There's a lot of just... And he said the thing about, you know, these... He did the... 
there have been many managers, but the players are the same. And I was like, oh no. What's happening there? Like, is it just simple as, look, Spurs are eighth as the table stands and he's looking at it and Conte is a winner and he's looking at this thinking, I can't see a universe where Spurs are winning the league within three years. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's simple as that. Maybe it's simple as the fact that Conte is like, I came here to win the league. I came here with assurances that we could go all the way and do this. And now I've seen under the bonnet, we're just never going to be more than a sort of top four side for the next three years, which, which frankly, anyone could told him that coming in the door. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I'm probably going to go a little bit soft on Spurs here because I have seen the club that I support many, 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 many times follow a really impressive, potentially, is this the turning point kind of win with one of the worst results of the season. Mm. I've lost count of how many times that's happened. Mm. Uh, shouts to Vish from the Rumble. Mm. I saw a thing that they posted yesterday where he was saying, is there, <laughs> is there a bigger hangover fixture than Burnley? Oh God. Yeah. And it's weird with Burnley because Burnley's record against top six sides at home, I think is a little bit hyped. And they I just come, it's not they quite, just, it's not quite as good as, as people make out. No, no. But they're coming off a really good win against Brighton. Yeah, exactly. And they're on a bit of a charge at the moment and they've got Valt Veghorst who absolutely like put a mega shift in mm. on Wednesday against Spurs, but also two completely different opposition that are going to require two very different styles of performance in order to get results. You know, you have that gigantic high of a huge win at Man City, a late win yeah. as well. And then it's Wednesday night, it's pissing down with rain, it's freezing yeah. cold. It's all of the cliches that you see rolled out around, you know, cold, windy, blah, 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 somewhere up north. Burnley just really, really didn't let Spurs have anything their own way. No. However, when I watched the game back, Spurs did have a couple of chances that they probably should have done better with. Kulisevsky had that one way bent it really lovely actually and it just went past the far post that's the kind of goal that you can imagine someone like Kulisevsky scoring I think right. Mora had one as well that he probably should have done better with but you're drawing this is the thing this is why I have a bit, I'm a bit critical of Conte here because you're drawing the wrong conclusion from a bad outcome unless of course and this is the crucial thing there must be things happening behind the scenes that have given him immense disquiet I can't imagine what those things are but look you beat City at City and you lose 1-0 to Burnley on the road, it's not the worst week, Ryan. It's not I mean, the worst week. I yeah, don't yeah. think it is, no, but hitting such a high and then dropping right back down again is the thing. It's the four in five. We said on, on Monday, we spent a lot of time praising Spurs for the way that they played against Man City. I haven't changed my mind on anything that we said about that because we literally said the problem will be when they play sides like, I think I said, like a Watford. Yeah. A side who will let them have a lot of the ball and we'll sit deep and we'll make it really difficult for them and might hit them with one or two chances. And that's what Burnley did. Because it's not a hugely creative, let's be, not to be cruel, but it's not a hugely creative central midfield. Not hugely. Like it's not like... Spurs. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's just not like, you know, in, in terms of players that can, you look at... Um, I mean, we did praise the midfield the other day though. Like we, we, did, we, did, we did, we did, we did, we did, we did, we did. But against deep line defences, and this is, a, look, it's a problem that Chelsea have had. I think someone like Winks, Winks starting, you're going to have more of the ball. You want Winks because here's the thing, you're, you're going to have like Hoybier and Bentancourt together. You want a little bit of variation, right, in certain games. They're solid in, they're solid in a defensive context. But if you want that sort of extra creativity, Winks for either one of those, maybe Winks in for where we saw Bentacle come off because he's not as match fit as Hoybier and Hoybier gives you that defensive 
ballast solidity. Winks Hoybier could and should have started. And this isn't just hindsight. It's just about changing things. We've said this before. Like, you- Or maybe, I know that he wasn't probably going to do that, but this was probably a game where he could have gone to four at the back and put Winks in for Sessignon, played Davies at left back. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Know. I mean, just- I, and this, is, this is the thing about Conte that's a bit frustrating is that like, yeah, we know how Conte ball works. This was an opportunity to change something. And I think that little bit of inflexibility is something that means that everything's going to have to be quite Goldilocksy. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think the, fr- the frustration I have is, is the language because it's such a buzzkill. You mm. lose one nil. He has the choice. Here's the thing that frustrates me about what Conte did. Your club is coming off one of the few bright spots. Like, okay, yes, they've lost three league games in a row, but fundamentally you're the coach, that's on you, right? So throwing players under the bus repeatedly is one thing, but you could say, well, we've lost three league games in a row and that's maybe hard for him because he hadn't done that before in the Premier League. Okay, fine, I get it. But look, the direction of travel for your team, when you beat City like they did and open up the title race again, which they did, playing football like that, you have to then say, let's bottle as much of this joy as we can and move forward. You come out afterwards and you're like, you know what? Burnley have been an excellent Premier League team for a long time. I respect them so much, the way they've maximised their resources. They've recruited really smartly. They're on a great run. It's no disrespect. This is a really fine result for them. We're disappointed, but you know, at the weekend, we're pushing forward. This is a club moving in the right direction. And those are all outs that are available to you. Mm-hmm. But those are outs. Here's the crucial thing. Conte doesn't want those outs. This is when you see this energy, you're like, this man is asking to be sacked. That is the energy of a man who is asking to be sacked. They must make assessments. They must like, come on, man. Like I listened to that and just thought, you could so easily just be like, do you know what? Bernie, they, they're an excellent team. They recruited very well in the transfer window. Werkhorst is a very fine player. We know his record. We knew we would, we would find him a challenge. We made changes at half time. We made adjustments, but this is such a well-coached league with fine teams. And if you turn up, slightly blow your best as we were, maybe the adrenaline of, uh, of the weekend and they beat us and they were a smart team. And we, you know, congratulations, next game. He could have said all of that. And he knows he could have said all of that. Because mm. it's the kind of thing he said in the past, but he didn't. Well, this is the thing. Like when he joined Spurs, he made he seemed to make a real point about this being this is going to take time. It's going to take time. This is going to take time. And then all of a sudden, he just lost. He it seemed like he lost patience. That whenever bad stuff has happened, he's really gone off about it. It's been a few times now when he's just like, "I've got a hot take about this." Oh dear. I wonder if Conte's heart was never truly in the Spurs job. I wonder if he wanted to be someone like Roma. Mm. I don't, no, 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 no. I wonder, like, I don't know. Like, I just, we've seen Antonio Conte commit fully to a project. We've seen what it looks like when he's all in, right? And I'm not trying to say this to be disrespectful to Spurs. I think Spurs is an amazing club. I have a lot of, everyone that listens to this podcast knows my, you know, I think they're an amazing institution. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen the kind of passion that Conte could have marshaled, channeled at Spurs if he'd come in and be fully on. We saw he did that with Chelsea. We saw in patches, we saw it with the City thing. You, you saw it with the win. He's like, he really, winning's that thing. It's his adrenaline surge, whatever. I get that. But this kind of half-stepping, this half-in, half-out, I look, every time I've watched Spurs games and seen these interviews, whatever, it's felt like he hasn't given it his full heart. Mm. And that does, that, you know, his full, like, his full, like, you know, we're all in, we don't care if we lose, we, we're, we're a team. The group is strong. That thing he always says, the group, the group. Like Conte at his peak talks about that all the time, the group. Mm. And maybe it was a job that he took and it was like, it was there and it, you know, Spurs is a great club and everything, but maybe the click wasn't there because he doesn't, 
he doesn't swear fealty to Spurs like he swore fealty to other clubs like Inter and Chelsea. And this isn't a reflection on Spurs. I think it's where he's at in his career, his jobs, his whatever, whatever. It's not about Spurs. It's not a criticism of them. It's about him. Yeah, I just wonder about that. Got to say. Yeah, I think a lot of what he did after the game could have just calmed things down a little bit. And he knew that. He's too smart not to know that. He knows that. Like Conte's not never really anywhere for, for a long time. So, you know, you might as well be there for a good time. And if you're not there for a good time, then why are you there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Much like the Arnold Clark Cup. The Arnold Clark Cup, not here for a long time, but it sure was a good time. England winning the, the first Arnold Clark Cup, a friendly tournament for those who missed it, between England, Spain, Canada and Germany. England beating Germany 3-1, thanks to Ellen White opening the score and Lena Margul hit that unbelievable free kick that equalised for Germany. And then Serena Wiegmann, the elite football brain, that's illegal. Puts Millie Bright up front, who then scores for England to give That's them the lead genius. with six That's minutes genius. to go. Uh, huge caveat, by the way, no VAR, but Millie Bright was both spiritually and literally offside. offside. <laughs> and then Frank Kirby sealed it right at the end with a lovely little, uh, oh, she did this amazing, she broke through and she did this thing like, there's a really good angle from behind, like watching her bear down on goal. This one little body move, very subtle, completely threw the centre back off, gave her a little bit more time. She put it away. Spain also beat Canada 1 0, but England were crowned Arnold Clark Cup champions thanks to their goal difference. That's a huge deal because the belief that gives them at this point, and they know that it can work tactically, they know they can make adjustments because they, this is the thing total tactical flexibility. Games they kept it tight, Spain, and opened up more expansive Germany. They've probably got the most out of this, not just because they won but because they, they deployed in different ways. This is a team being coached to something like its potential. Yeah, man. And this is the, we talked in depth about it on Wrighty's House on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So if anyone wants to listen to stuff about the Arnold Clark Cup, go and check that episode if you haven't already. But yeah. just a really good test against three teams who are elite. Two of them are going to be in the Euros this summer. And yeah, it kind of avenges that, that Germany result at Wembley from a couple of years ago for England. Yeah. Should we get out of it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously, thoughts with anyone who is affected by what's going on in Ukraine. Stadio.football, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, scroll down to the bottom, pop your email address in. We just keep it for us. We don't send it to anyone. We don't pass it on to anyone. Ringer.com forward slash soccer. Also, don't forget to check Musa and I on The Answer on the Ringer NBA yes, yes. feed on Friday. Uh, I'll be on the Ask Blog Askcast for Arsenal fans on Friday. And I think that's everything. We are playing out this episode on Warika Hill Sounds, No More War. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? Yeah, I just I hope this podcast has provided a few minutes of escapism and respite. It's a stressful morning, stressful day for so many people across um, Europe and elsewhere in the world. Uh, just in my football WhatsApp group alone, people just really anxious. You know, it's um, anxiety everywhere. It's just is the topic being discussed across all all my kind of like track groups at the moment as I'm sure it is for so many of you so yeah we hope this has helped you escape for a time uh, look after yourselves everyone uh, much love and um, we will be back on Monday see you then see you